It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame, no more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to this incredibly special episode of the Worst Girl Gang Ever. Aren't they all special? They're all special. Um, but today we are joined by the wonderful Rachel Sheriff. Many of you will have come across her and heard of her, or maybe you even are a patient of hers. But um, she's here to tell us a little bit about what she does. Welcome, Rachel. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me back. You're old, mate. Not old. old. <laughs> yeah, easy tiger, easy. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it's nice to see you both and great to be back. I haven't um obviously I've done lots of work on the warriorship for you guys, but I haven't been on the podcast since that first podcast that we did. Actually, you're the first person to, to have a second episode. We, no one else. Oh, really? okay. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so this oh. better be good because usually sequels are shit. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> Home Alone mm, not as good as Home Alone One. No pressure at all. Or if I'm competing with Home Alone, you know, where do we start? <laughs> well, yeah. start, tell us a Very little beginning. bit about, about what you do. So I and am a... Do it. Tell us why you do it as well. Yeah, I think that's sort of the key, isn't it? So mm. I am a fertility acupuncturist and I help people to get pregnant, help couples who are struggling to conceive and str- couples that have struggled with recurrent loss um, and anything really to do with hormones, fertility, women's health um, and miscarriage. Like I think loss covers so many different areas, doesn't it? But um, yeah, so that I came came into that through my own experience. So my son was born after three rounds of IVF and before that sort of years of unexplained infertility and loss. and I always knew that I wanted to use that experience to help other women, but I wasn't quite sure how. And then I had acupuncture, which I know Bex, you're a fan of. And um, me and Bex actually have the same acupuncturist, believe it or not. But yeah, I had acupuncture, uh, realized that it was like a massive game changer for me and supported me. I had it throughout that last round of IVF that I had my son with, uh, loved it, and then decided I wanted to retrain and become an acupuncturist. And then I think I'd been practicing for about a year, kind of doing bits and bobs helping people with their bad back musculoskeletal things I was like I don't really want to do this I want to do fertility so then changed my whole practice to just focus on supporting couples through fertility and loss and fast forward uh, five years and here we are I have three acupuncturists including myself a reflexologist a nutritionist a functional medicine practitioner and a pharmacist and we run a clinic called the fertility suite which is in Surrey and we help people have babies on a very basic level that's what we do Um, I think that's um that's really amazing and what I love is how you've obviously been through your own personal shitstorm and that you've wanted that to to help other people because I think so many people within this community who have um developed a voice to help others have done so because they want to make the world lighter for other people and like I bet when you first meet your patients and your couples they um they're in a really dark place, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you will find a lot of people that work in the area, as in fertility and loss, will have had some experience for that reason. It's like you kind of go through it and you think, well, why? Like what? Something good has to come of this. And I think helping people, if that's the good thing to come of it, what an amazing thing. 
Mm. Uh, and the, the girls in the clinic with me all have experience of either fertility struggles or women's health issues. Like everyone kind of has an experience of of dealing with that sort of area, which I think, like you said, makes a massive difference when people come in the door. Like just okay. to be able to say, I get it. Like I know we I might not get every scenario, you know, like everyone's um journey, I hate that phrase, but like everyone's journey is slightly different, right? So, you know, I think I can understand most of it. Um but yeah. yeah. And it's just that like um, that initial contact with someone who does get it means that they feel seen and heard from ball one. They don't explain. I think explaining certainly from what we hear from other ladies is that explaining your fertility and your struggles is one thing. But feeling that emotional support is something completely different. And that's something that's really commonly lacking in the medical when people have to go down a medical route or people that's the next um, path that they're sort of shown down or pushed towards is the medical route I feel like sometimes the emotional mental health and well-being aspect of that interaction is lost and therefore people go into this medical environment be having been told that that's what they need but without that emotional and validating support to um to kind of give them that resilience to go through that medical stuff because it's a big huge strain isn't it on your emotional health as well as your as well as your physical health yeah I think it's almost been dehumanized in certain yeah yeah I think a lot of a lot of establishments and this is not all and I'm not generalizing I'm not tarring anyone but like a lot of establishments like it's easier to remove the human element the emotional element because it makes it easier for them to deal with rather than like allowing someone to feel like that and and allow it and like validating it it's like if I remove the emotional component I don't don't have to deal with that and that's easier for me to do my job and I don't agree with that at all I can see why it happens but you're you're 100% right that emotional side of it is like a huge part of what women go through you can't in my mind you can't separate the medical from the emotional they come together right yeah for a lot of women going back into an appointment after a loss is actually more about the emotional, like the emotional hurdle to get over to do that is bigger than anything, I think. Um, so yeah, it, do, it definitely makes a difference to be able to support people through that. And sometimes just saying to people like, like that's valid, that's okay. Like I think certainly when you're pregnant after loss, you have this sense of like, I feel really anxious, but I shouldn't feel anxious. Like you tell yourself you shouldn't feel a certain way. Why would you not? Like, I actually think it's totally normal to feel like that in pregnancy after loss. Like, why would you feel any other way, right? It makes sense. But so many women are going for scans or for appointments and just being told, oh, you know, just relax or it'll be okay. Like, well, you're only ever, your behavior only ever comes from your past experience. Yeah. Right. Like you're only behaving like that because of your previous experience. So why is it okay for someone to expect you to behave differently? Because they've mm-hmm. not been through what you've been through. But I think that's the it's the same across across the board, really. We're all we're all so we beat ourselves up so much about the way we feel and the word should is I hate the word should because it's like you should feel this way, you shouldn't feel that way. And this is what we say, like, you end up feeling like your grief is disproportionate to your loss because you think... You say that? I've never heard you say that before. Haven't you? <laughs> I don't know where you've been. I say it all the time. Um, and you end up, you know, feeling like like you're not you're not allowed those feelings. You're not, you're not entitled to those feelings because... And, and I think particularly 
what we've heard from women who have had a TFMR, when it lies with their decision, they really struggle with the grief because because that decision, I mean, it's not, it's a decision, it's not a choice, right? So then that, but but my point is that we all lumber ourselves with this, I shouldn't feel that way, I shouldn't be doing this. And it's so unhealthy for our mental health, so unhealthy for emotional well-being. Yeah, like generally in life, right? Not just with fertility and loss, yeah. Of course, of course. We just all should be able to validate our own feelings. But unfortunately, we live in a society where everyone's very ready to tell you what you should and shouldn't do and shouldn't shouldn't think. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, Um, that was a bye rat. I was just wanting to say what I love most about working with you, not working with you, but being one of your patients is that, um, and I think you've already mentioned feeling like seen and heard. And I think we go to all these medical appointments and we, we see different people for different things and they only really look at what, what their expertise is in and no one ever really looks at you as a whole no one ever really delves in deep to your to your loss history your nutrition your lifestyle all of that stuff and I think my first consultation with you was 90 minutes long yeah in in the NHS you just don't get that you might get 15 minutes maybe maybe half an hour if you go and see a private consultant but you they they don't delve deep enough for you to think they they've explored every avenue and they've understood everything i've told them um and so i mean i've said we we, we rave about you all the time rach i've said before i've just i've never felt so looked after before um and i think it really does make a big difference yeah, I think that is the reason like I kind of set the clinic up to operate the way that it does, because I certainly for appointments, like there's such a massive gap between what you will get in whether it's a holistic private environment or a private medical environment or NHS. Like there's such a massive difference between the NHS and those two areas. I think being able to offer people the opportunity to feel heard and to feel supported is amazing and the NHS just don't have that resource right like you like you said you might get five minutes ten minutes with a consultant and I think this is not I don't want this to be like an NHS bashing session like the NHS are amazing for so many things but I think it's really really important when you are struggling with loss or fertility problems that you understand the system the system is not set up to support women with fertility and loss at all you might drop lucky and have a really empathetic understanding nurse one day but that's not the system. That's the person, right? And again, it's not the people in the system that are the problem. It's the system. There are not enough resources. Um, the the people in the system are not given enough time to be able to support women properly. So yeah, there's this massive gap between NHS and and private, and it's the system is broken. And I think it's really important that people understand that um, just because the NHS are not able to help you it doesn't mean that there is not more support out there and that is actually what triggered me to get in touch with you and ask to do this second podcast with you because I posted something on social media and it was really simple and it said something like there is more support out there and I was inundated with messages of 
women saying what support how where and it was like a light bulb moment I was like this people don't know that this support is out there I mean you go for recurrent miscarriage testing and they say there's nothing wrong exactly it doesn't mean there's nothing wrong just that the simple tests that they've run haven't shown anything exactly I'm going to talk a bit more in detail about that um but like something that um like came back and I think like obviously you guys have got the amazing platform like if people aren't in the wobbleship and they've had a loss and they've not got to your kind of support yet then perhaps they don't know anything perhaps they just know what the NHS has told them and this is the message that I really want to get out there to people work like you know internationally that this there is loads more help it's just about finding it um and and what you said Laura was key like the the NHS will often say to you, everything's come back normal. You just try again when you're ready. Here's some progesterone. Here's some aspirin. Um, off you go. Good luck. And that is like the NHS testing will normally consist of a thrombophilia profile, which is a blood clotting profile, some antibodies, which are to do with the immune system, but it's far from a full panel. You might get offered um uh, a hysteroscopy which is a camera inside your uterus um, or a transvaginal ultrasound um, and that is really kind of the limit of the testing and what's that so the hysteroscopy what what does that what are they thinking that they might pick up on that the hysteroscopy is basically someone looking into your uterus and um, looking for anything physical or structural that can contribute to miscarriage. So whenever we think about miscarriage, there are kind of two um, components to it. We've got like whether it happens at an egg or a sperm quality level, whether it's to do with embryo development, like genetic chromosomal, and then we've got everything that happens after implantation. So whether there's anything physical or structural within the uterus or whether it's your immune system. So in terms of uterus, they're looking for polyps, fibroids, scar tissue, Asherman's, anything physical or structural that could be contributing to a miscarriage. Because actually, if you have a DNC, you actually have quite a high risk of scar tissue forming. This is this is a risk factor. Obviously, you make a decision with the information you're given at the time, and lots of women don't actually have the choice. It is kind of like, well, a DNC is your only option. But certainly, you know, if your periods haven't returned to normal afterwards, or you notice some change, then there could be some scar tissue there. So it's definitely worth um, having and, a transvaginal ultrasound. Um, DNC is another name for surgical management of miscarriage. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I'm old school. I'm using the old school lingo. Yeah, so nowadays you often you're offered surgical or medical. So surgical is a, a DNC, medical is um, a tablet that you take. Better than ERPC. Yeah, evacuation of remaining products of conception. Yeah, yeah. I mean the lingo is never the American possible. name, isn't it? But surgical management of miscarriage is probably the best of the bunch because it yeah if you had to a bad bunch right if you had to pick the lingo is never particularly appealing is it let's face it um but yeah I think so the 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 testing is quite limited on the NHS and I could give you like 15 reasons off the top of my head for miscarriage the NHS will probably only test for about five of them some of them the evidence base is like debatable or the or the evidence base is there but the NHS haven't followed it yet so I've got two really good examples of this so Tommy's did a big study uh beginning of this year end of last year and they showed that there are strong links between the 
vaginal microbiome and first trimester miscarriage. So what they showed was that if you have low levels of lactobacillus, which are good bacteria that we want in the vagina. So if you have low levels of lactobacillus, you have a higher risk of first trimester miscarriage. Now, that is a strong study. Um, the evidence is there, but the NHS that, you know, that's not available yet. Hopefully in time to come, that will be something that becomes available. That is not a test that's available, but the evidence base is there. It takes about, I don't know if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but it takes about 15 years for research to make its way into NHS sort of policies and treatment plans. That's nuts, right? Because fertility is probably one of the fastest area, fastest moving areas of medicine at the moment. We are learning so much. In the 10 years since I had IVF, so much has changed. And even since I started my practice, like there's so many more things available now. There's so much more evidence around like the options. It's great, right, that we have all this support now and these options and we're getting better in terms of certainly in the private sector, what we can offer people and how we can help people get answers. But um, it's it's really fast moving. So the NHS just, yeah, they're, they're not keeping up, quite frankly. And who knows, like you said, Laura, like the reasons, time, resource. I mean, you've got... As well, like with the NHS, it's... I mean, I could be completely way out here, but I would say that the NHS, their fundamental kind of job is is to keep people alive rather than create new life. And I yeah. think when you're battling things like cancer and life-saving operations, it's <clears throat> it must not be a priority for them. Totally. Which is... It's so sad. And um, I think the saddest thing about it is that people don't know that or don't understand that. So people go into their NHS appointment and they get told, go and keep trying. And yes. and then and then when, the, you, you know, they think because someone, a, a doctor has got however many years experience and however many years of of medical, um, you know, education behind them, then that is their only option. Yeah. And that's what you're saying earlier, isn't it? There are so many more options and yeah. better options. The NHS care Yeah, exactly. The NHS care has so many limitations. So many limitations. And yeah, Bex, you're right. Like I often say to people, like the NHS is great for urgent, immediate, life-threatening care. Maybe 30 years ago, the system was set up better to support all areas of support and medical care. Where we're at now with it is that they really only have the funds and the, the manpower to concentrate on urgent care. And sadly, fertility and loss just don't come under that. So, mm. again, it's like educating people around this system that we have put you know, so much trust in historically and is now failing women you know, through, through nobody's fault, essentially. But this is where we're this is where we're at. And you're left with so many couples that, like you said, Laura, don't know where to get this testing, don't know how to access things, don't even. And I think, you know, you are in a vulnerable position. You do need to be conscious of who you're, whose advice you're taking, who you're listening to, because don't get me wrong, there's certainly a lot of woo-woo stuff out there as well. Like, it's really important that, you know, you're using evidence base. But like I said, I think there is an evidence base around a lot of these things, um, but it's getting that information out there. The 
the World Health Organization now recommend a sperm DNA fragmentation test as part of a standard male fertility markup. So that is the World Health Organization recommending that because we know again from evidence in the last five years that high sperm DNA fragmentation is a contributory factor to first trimester miscarriage. So the I NHS had 12 first work. trimester miscarriages before Scoop had his sperm DNA fragmentation tested. Honestly, Laura, like... I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You kind of trump. Like, yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see hundreds of patients a year, right? And I'm not going to lie. Like you've just trumped everyone with that 12 before mm-hmm. someone tells you to look at the male side is like on another level, but that's nuts. Like, so how is that possible? You can get pregnant. But we know that that the evidence is there to show that high DNA fragmentation is a contributory factor. And even the World Health Organization is saying this evidence is there. It should be part of a standard test. And I had a really interesting chat with um, Claire Mooney, who is um, like an andrologist, um, fertility specialist who runs fertility solutions. Andrologist. Uh, Sperm. Sperm fertility. Yes, I'm lady. She's probably a better name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she like she's so passionate about this and she's like put a lot of time and effort into research and all the evidence is there, right? Like we know that this is a, a factor. So why are the NHS refusing to even it's, it's cost, isn't it? Essentially, it's cost. But so if someone is saying to you, you can get pregnant, we don't need to look at the sperm, like that is wrong. Fundamentally, we have the evidence there that we know that that is not the case. So um, I so think it's... Expect to be able to get this test on the NHS? And if not, where do they get it from? Yeah, you, well, there's certain... So let's. that's a really good question. So let's talk about all the tests then we can get outside of the NHS that relate to miscarriage. So um, you can have a vaginal microbiome test done to talk about uh, what it talks about, the, the lactobacillus levels, and look for bacteria that we don't want there that could be contributory factors. How do you test that, Rachel? Is it just a swab? That is a home swab test kit. There's a couple of companies that do it nowadays. Some are just, you can just go online and order yourself. So you've got like Screen Me and Day, and then you've got In Vivo, which are practitioner um, screening. They all vary slightly. So um, Day is probably a slightly more basic test. In Vivo is kind of middle ground. And then um, Screen Me, their testing takes a lot longer to come back because they use something called next generation sequencing. It's much, it's sort of like the most in-depth um, but if you ever need any like guidance on these things, like, you know, there's loads of people, certainly on Instagram, you can sort of DM and ask, you know, where do I go? But yeah, they're the sort of three main companies. And then um, sperm DNA fragmentation, loads of companies are now doing this. You can go to Andrology Solutions, Fertility Solutions, um, where else? there's a couple of other places that um, test him, which is a guy called Ian Stones. They're just about to um start doing dna fragmentation it's becoming much more accessible much more accessible privately you then have basic things like a hormone panel so many of my clients who have had recurrent loss have had the thrombophilia blood clotting testing on the nhs but they haven't had a basic hormone panel looked at like they couldn't tell you what their testosterone's doing what their estrogen's doing and we know that those things contribute to miscarriage um there are like more in-depth um, testing you can do for the immunology side of things. So something called natural killer cells, um, which I know you've had. Did you have Dr. S on the podcast? Oh, no, we've had him on a um, on a live, but we haven't had him on the podcast. 
Uh, okay, yeah. So Dr. Shahata, specialist in natural killer cells. So, you know, there's that whole area of testing that's available privately as well. Um, there's, you know, you can you can get things like carotyping, which is like genetic testing done privately. There's loads of other options. And that's kind of how I've evolved our um, what we call our fertility and miscarriage assessments now. So we spend like we did with you, Laura, like 90 minutes going in depth with people, really trying to understand what testing you might need because wouldn't it be great if we all had all the money in the world and we could just go oh yeah I'm going to test everything but the reality is that it's not like that for a lot of people right a lot of a lot of couples who've had loss can't afford to do a lot of private testing so the warriorship we wanted to come and tell you a little bit about it didn't we Bex and in case you're already going why we don't want to know about fucking ship the warriorship is our online membership for warriors in this community it's packed full of stuff so we just want to tell you about some of the stuff all of the content from all of the courses that we ever run is in the warriorship so there's loads to get your teeth into and we are also developing modules for what happens after but not only that we've also got a ton of educational workshops running once a month in the coming months we have got body positivity workshop gratitude workshop and loads 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 more and on top of that we also have a resident mental health specialist and on top of that if that wasn't enough there's 13 events every month and there's stuff popping up all the time as well that other people are organizing that you can be a part of so it really is thriving and all you have to do is head to the link in our bio or visit our website and you can be a part of this too. We love to see you there. When you when you've been through so many losses, and you think about paying privately for stuff, you sort of feel like, oh, it's, am I going to waste all of this money and still lose? It's like it's a catch twenty two, isn't it? But you just feel like, especially when budgets are tight, you're like, where do I? Sp- I've only got this much money. Where where do I spend it? And realistically, is it going to help me? Are we going to get answers? But I just wanted yeah. to ask you something about the immunology stuff. So lots of people will get a natural killer cell test done because they'll think that that's, that's the Im- immunology in mm. a nutshell, getting the natural killer cell test done. And then I can see whether my immune system is ramped up or not. But actually... There's a lot more to immunology and my, when I had my testing done, my natural killer cells were negative or low or whatever. I didn't have too many, Um, but loads of other immunology stuff was flagged up, which wouldn't have been flagged up if I hadn't had all the extra testing. Yeah, absolutely. So immunology is a really complex area or reproductive immunology, should I say, is a really complex area. And it is vital that if you are um, suspecting immunology issues or someone has said, like, I will, when I see patients, I screen them. And if I think there's an immunology issue, I will have that conversation with them. If someone has said to you, I think you should go for this testing, it's really important that you find someone who specializes in that area of medicine, because the treatment for immunology um, with recurrent loss is actually very effective. 
like we see a really high success rate in clinics that do immunology protocols. I see patients that come through my clinic who have immunology issues identified and treated properly with good success outcomes. Where we don't see a successful outcome is where only part of the picture has been looked at. Like you said, Laura, like NK cells is just a small part of that. There's lots of other bits and bobs we need to look at with reproductive immunology and the treatment plan needs to be tailored to the individual's immune system. And if that's not done, that is often... Sometimes I'll have patients come in and they'll say, oh, I've, I was told I had NK cells. I've taken some medication. Um, and when I dig a bit deeper, it's that the proper testing hasn't been done and the treatment protocol's not really there. And that's where you see, sadly, people going on to have further losses. Um, so so yeah, in a nutshell, your immunology screening or your screening, what, what would be flagging up in someone's history for you to make them uh, to make you think that they should need further testing with immunology? So I would be asking uh, lots and lots of questions. Some of the key ones would be, um, do you have a history of recurrent loss? First thing, because recurrent loss is the biggest flag for me, where um, if someone's having IVF, if they're having good quality blastocysts transferred and they're also not having a positive pregnancy outcome or they're having recurrent loss. So those two scenarios, I'd be asking someone all about their gut function because quite often immunology issues will um, display some gut dysbiosis symptoms. Immunology starts in the gut. Like if someone's got chronic IBS, that can be a flag for me. If they have a family history of autoimmune conditions or they have a diagnosed autoimmune condition themselves. So, so such like, as rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, even psoriasis, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's, colitis, alopecia, all those sorts of things. Also, if someone is atopic, so if they have or had at any point hay fever, asthma, eczema, um, if they have a history of uh, molar pregnancy or blighted ovum, um, certainly in secondary infertility as well, like um because I think there's this idea that if you've already had a healthy child, immunology can't cause an issue and it can. So again, like tracking back what happened after their first pregnancy, if they've then suffered recurrent loss, what medications were taken, what, you know, what happened in that time frame that might have triggered the immune system to work differently. Um, and also asking about often when, whether people get sick often, if people never, ever, ever get sick, that's not normal. Like we should get sick a couple of times a year. If you never, ever get sick, that can be a flag for me. Um, and their medical history, again, things like uh, if they've had glandular fever when they were younger, like there's just signs that the immune system might not be functioning as it should. I'm not saying that if those things come up, you yeah, you've definitely got reproductive immunology issues, but I have to look at the bigger picture and logically work out where that fits in. So whenever I have a consult with someone, I'm always looking at bigger picture, like because all those things might have boxes ticked, but also there could be lots of other boxes ticked for male factor issues. And it's like, okay, what do we test first? Where am I going to, this goes back to Laura, what you were talking about, about the financial side of things. Like I actually see it as a little bit of my responsibility when I'm working with couples to sort of guide you in where you're best spending your money because you're in a really vulnerable position. And like, there's so many cowboys out there and I don't ever want someone to go through after they've been through the current loss, being led up the garden path with something that's not going to get them the outcome they want. So I think, 
just saying to people, look, you know, it looks like, for example, male fertility might be an issue, but it also looks like, you know, the vaginal microbiome might be an issue. If I had to put these in a priority order, this is what I would do. And then just giving people that advice, they'd be like, okay, well, let's test this first and let's see what comes back. And then we'll move to the next most logical thing. Because some of these tests are not cheap, right? Immunology. I mean, Laura, can you like, yeah, like you're shaking your head. Is it all? Just to get a full panel is about three grand. Yeah. So I'm never going to say to someone. It's about 800 pounds. One of the tests. That's the NK cell, the one, the proper one where they put it in different pregnancy states or, you know, something like that. But then when you, when you look at it comparatively, when people like me um, started off on my fertility journey, and I didn't find it easy. I was led to believe by the, the NHS, you know, my GP and stuff, that my only option was was IVF. And had I not fallen pregnant when I did, I would have gone for the consult, the IVF consult, and, and moved down that route because I didn't know there was another one. And when you actually comparatively look at, yes, a panel of um, tests, a hormone test is £3,000, but how much is IVF? It's what, 15 grand at least, you know, and that's if it's successful, that's that's 15 grand well spent. But if it's not, then you're looking at 30 grand or, or whatever. And I, I know that's not taking into account whether you have a round for free, but when you look comparatively over the other testing that could be done, it suddenly makes makes it more affordable, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> to go down the route. This is a really big problem though, because IVF is missold. That, like when you walk into a fertility clinic you will be sold IVF because that is their business right there are definitely a couple of clinics that won't do that which is great but the majority of clinics will sell you tell IVF us, now what, IVF not, say again Laura tell us those clinics mm, I don't really want to go down well I can, I'll, I can recommend some clinics that I would use definitely yeah. I'm not I'm not going to name clinics in my opinion as being clinics that are no good but I will definitely no, no, no the good ones we want to know the good I'm, ones Okay, you don't have to shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I can definitely recommend a few good ones. I'll do that at the end. But um, like IVF is not a, it's not a fix for recurrent loss. And this is a conversation I have a lot. So for couples that have struggled with recurrent loss, there can be benefits to IVF. For example, it allows you to PGTA test the embryos. So if we think there is a chromosomal or genetic or egg or sperm quality issue, Doing IVF enables you to test those embryos. It also allows you to have much more control over the process. And for women that have had recurrent loss, there is a lot of anxiety, as we well know. And I think IVF can be a preferred option for some people purely because it helps manage their mental anxiety. But IVF is not going to solve recurrent loss unless you understand what's caused the recurrent loss in the first place. You might be able to address that as part of an IVF cycle, but it's not the answer if you don't know why um and what yeah what you said bex was nail on the head right like yes this testing is expensive and i'm never going to refer someone immediately for that testing unless it's really clear that that is definitely a big part of the picture but if it is a big part of the picture you could still likely conceive naturally and then you have an immunology protocol alongside a natural pregnancy a natural cycle a natural chance to conceive like IVF, you know, yes, it's really expensive. Do it, does everyone that has it need it? No, I mean, looking back, like if I knew now, sorry, if I knew then what I knew now, I probably really didn't need IVF. 
But I also really appreciate where my headspace was at. I was desperate to get pregnant. I'd been trying for three years to, to get and stay pregnant. And at that point, I didn't care whether I had IVF or not, right? And I know so many of my patients are in that same headspace. I just wanted a baby. So I completely understand when patients come to me and I say to them, you don't need IVF. And they say, but I want it. I get that. Like, I get that. Like, mm-hmm. it, it can offer. And certainly now, I mean, PGTA testing wasn't really available when I had IVF, but PGTA testing, which is where you test the embryo to see whether it has the genetic capability to result in a baby, uh, just allows, like, so much more control. It massively increases your chance of success. And I think that's great. I think, what, like, what you have um said there is fantastic because it's not just about what people need to have it's what people want to have isn't it and what we need is to provide options for people at the moment I feel like certainly from my point of view it was natural conception or IVF because I didn't know any difference and if we can help people fill in the blanks between those two um options then at least they have an informed decision and then it's still their decision to make but at the moment if they don't it's like natural conception is a and ivf is z but we don't know any of the other letters so we skip from straight from a to z because that's what we're told to do but if we've got all the other letters in place and we know that we can visit each one in turn to suss it out then at least we can make that we can still go to z if we want to but it's a it's a choice rather than an instruction you always explain things so well bex like you, yeah nailed it what again can i say i fucking love an analogy you do, you're good at analogies, right? make it to one of the uh the soundbite previews for the podcast that, that that'll be one of yeah. them you always say things really well I love it sometimes you like I feel like you're in my brain sometimes like you get out of my head what I want to say <laughs> I am, I am. <laughs> she's there but yeah I think look like I anyone who's worked with me will know as part of my consult I often say to people um certainly when I'm working with couples online I will say look I will meet you where you are at I will support you with whatever you need I just need honest communication if you say to me I can't afford to do immunology testing that's absolutely fine I'm not going to say to you you must have it I will give you the advice and guidance around the evidence base around what I know and I will present that information to you because again it's all about choices and to be able to make informed choices, you need the information, you need the you need the education. And again, that's another reason why I wanted to come on and talk to you guys today, because it's like this massive gap exists. And if we if I can get that message out there to people that, you know, you don't just have to rely on the NHS, there is lots of other support, there are lots of other options, then it just gives you that chance to make a decision and go, do you know what, I am going to look a bit deeper into that area or I am going to reach out for some support elsewhere because I'm not just going to take that oh you just need to try again there's nothing wrong I'm not going to take that yeah Yeah. I've personally I felt and I think lots of people do this I shouldn't have to pay for whatever I should be I should get this on the NHS I pay my taxes and my national insurance and all of that but I know that I would not have my two boys had I not gone down that road and investigated further and had paid for paid for testing yeah and Scary, I would have done it sooner you know look yeah I mean there's so many people that will say the same thing right and I think this expectation that the NHS will help you we have to change that yeah. because it can only help up to a certain point and I, it's not going to get any better the gap is widening 
Mm. Every day the gap is widening, the money funds being cut, resources are being cut. I mean, Laura, you work in the NHS, you're there on the front. I got my first shift in EPU tomorrow. Really? I'm really nervous about it. I feel like um, the sister said to me, are you ready for this, Laura? And I was like, yeah, I think I am. Uh, like wow well done like do you know what though how much are you going to be able to bring to that you're going to be amazing yeah I just don't want to be one of those people who fucks up and says the wrong thing you you could never be that person you could never be that person like wow like I feel like I mean I know it's going to be hard for you that's going to be that's triggers all over the place right but I have confidence that you are know having known you for a while now that you'll be okay with that but what an amazing opportunity to go in and be able to use your personal experience to support women like you're going to be on fire mate yeah well we'll see we'll see but yeah you're right I was working in A&E last night and it's chaos absolute chaos Mm. it's like world war three and um there's just too many patients not enough staff not enough time not enough money so, so therefore it makes sense, right, that why do we have this expectation that there's going to be any time or money for fertility or recurrent loss? Yeah. Like, it's sad. I get it. Like, I completely agree. Like, it's not the way it, it should be. It's really unfair, doesn't it? Really it is unfair. Really unfair. It's but it's it is, really it's fact. It's the case. It's And and I think once you, once you learn that you can't change something, you have to accept it. You've got no other alternatives, have you? And as soon as you can accept something then you can work with that acceptance and then you can you can forge your own path forwards and decide what you want to do yeah, but absolutely. yeah it's just it's it's as you say as you said earlier Rachel it's it's I don't think it's necessarily that the system is broken I think it's that the system I think the system is broken but I don't mean in this in this way I mean the system isn't set up for people who are struggling to have a child that's not yeah. what the system is for the system is for as you say cancer yeah. And, and real life-threatening illnesses of, of people who are here. I'm sure there's going to be lots of people listening who um, have had success with the NHS because if if with the testing they offer, something flags and it gets treated, amazing, mm. like brilliant. Like there, there, there is a certain amount of help. I'm not saying we don't have any help, but it's like what if you don't fit within those boxes? which in my experience is a large proportion of people. Like if you don't fit within those boxes, then you're going to have to look elsewhere. But there are people that do fit within that box. And there's some great um, professionals who work within the NHS who are doing research in these areas, you know, with the small amount of funding they've got, they're doing their best, you know, and they can still help people. But I think if, if you are one of those people that falls outside that box and it is important that you recognize that and start to look elsewhere um for sure yeah or you're just going to get the same result aren't you yeah but that's dangerous because you know this is again something i see time and time again it's that just relax try again um you know oh it's just just that actually can be dangerous in some cases you know having recurrent loss aside from the emotional trauma physically is traumatic on the body and can cause more issues so not only are you potentially putting someone through more emotional trauma by saying that to them you're also sort of putting them at risk of medical conditions and things that they really don't need to go through um Mm. so i'm not you know i'm not an advocate of that there's nothing wrong just try again i think that approach is actually quite dangerous 
from a medical we've got we've got the medical science there to be able to help people why are we saying oh there's nothing wrong just try again what i need to say is okay we've got all of the results back from your recurrent miscarriage testing and nothing has been flagged unfortunately we've reached the capacity of what we can offer you in testing wise however having looked at your history we would recommend considering these further tests and this is where you can get them from yeah why don't they do that well, I don't know whether they're in terms of legally, like what consultants, if the NHS don't offer a test or advocate for something, I don't think legally consultants are allowed to say that. However, wouldn't it be great if we had like leaflets or things or just some way of getting the message across to people that actually, even if the doctor sort of said on the side, you know, there is other stuff you can do go and investigate or even it's the wording right so if they said look we've reached the the limit of our testing you know we Mm. can't test anymore like yeah it's a tricky area but again another reason i want to get the message out there it's just people that we can help then the better i think this is going to be so helpful for so many people and like you say there was a massive upsurge in people contacting you after you posted that reel um went nuts because, yeah, because there isn't enough education out there surrounding this topic and certainly not in the places where you would expect to find it, you know, like within the NHS. Yeah. So really we provide that. my fear is that people are going to listen to this and then they're, they're going to think, oh, holy shit, and feel overwhelmed. So what do people yeah. do if they're feeling overwhelmed? They think they need to have more testing but don't know where to start. Exactly right. Let's give people some practical tips because, like you said, I never want to overwhelm people. Um, and it's overwhelming enough having been through loss right so um, practical tips so things you can do there are loads of companies out there so if you want to test your hormones you can use companies like medichex or hertility is another great new one that's come out if you want to see people who um, will look at the bigger picture and like investigate and dig a little bit deeper and kind of take that off your shoulders because that's a lot to do yourself then you can work with people like myself or any other complementary health practitioners who offer that more in-depth testing uh you can seek out consultants you've got some great consultants people like uh yao tum dr tum he is a really good consultant who looks at the bigger picture clinic wise if you want to go for like a fertility fertility appointment you've got consultants like uh dimitri pisarudakis who runs artemis gynecology bless you Bless you. Oh, tense, you. Um, Did you hear that? No, no, muted. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you've got to treat at Artemis, or you have the Evewell Clinic is another good clinic as well. Um, you want to seek out like smaller independent places, or generally where you'll get the better care. Um, I've mentioned the vaginal microbiome testing. I've mentioned some sperm testing. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, you can um, visit my website or book a free 15 minute call. If you want to have a chat about whether you think I can help you, um, I can also signpost you in the direction of things. Yeah, there's like most complementary health practitioners now or sort of alter- I hate using the word alternative. Let's use the word complementary health practitioners will offer some sort of support in this area loads of us are trained in like vaginal microbiome testing like i spend a great deal of time with my team educating ourselves in fertility so we will go and visit a lot of these clinics and specialists that i'm talking about and we will 
make sure we know what we're talking about so we can then pass that information on to you. Um, and then a lot of other practitioners will do that as well. Um, so the support is out there. It's, yeah, I mean, you some of it you can Google, right? I, like Google is a rabbit warren. You've also got all the webinars we've done in the warriorship, not just myself. You guys have had some amazing practitioners into the warriorship mm. and get involved. Facebook groups. There's loads of Facebook groups as well online for things like this. It's about just looking elsewhere. Mm. That's how I found out about Shihata and immunology stuff was from an, this Facebook group. It was actually an American Facebook group, but um, there was someone else on there who'd seen him. And um, yeah. Yeah. Well, where are we without that information? Just keep asking. That would be my recommendation after talking to lots of people is just keep asking the questions until you get your answer. One of the benefits of sharing your experience, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Like the more people that I know it's not for everyone, the more people that share their experience, the more women we can help. And I think that's what's great about the warriorship that you like, you know, all your community and your WhatsApp groups and your, you know, your different groups within the warriorship. There's so much support there. And you can just ask questions and people will nod, you know, nudge you in the right place. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on again and um, sharing your knowledge and expertise with our community. It's, um, I think it's going to be a really great episode and I hope that people will get in touch with you and understand how great you are as well, just on the whole, good fun, lovely woman. Um, oh, you are super kind. What who what have you had in your tea this morning? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no I've had enough tea this morning. Um, but yeah, the, the, and I think um yeah, get in touch with us if you want any more info, get in touch with Rachel directly, um, and just engage in the community because I think everyone is is so supportive and there to help. We all just want to see each other happy, don't we? In the Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. In the show notes so people can find you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, ladies. It's lovely as ever. Anytime. See you and enjoy your new house. Yeah, thanks. Bye. <laughs> See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.